The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Apostolic Faith Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn, Jr., and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you back to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV Channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 6 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KCY Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KZJO, channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. From 11 to 12 midnight on station KGBY-TV, channel 20, Grand, Grand Junction, Colorado. And from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable, channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church is located at 1043 Middle Street, the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world, with the sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon. A landmark in Caliph over 95 years, and our prayer tall, the first of its kind in Hawaii, used exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August 4, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, since wherever you are in the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Today we are celebrating Labor Day. To begin our musical program, we have a selection by the church choir who will sing the song, Servant Midley. They are led and accompanied by on the organ by assistant choir director, Pahaku Carter, and Edith Matsuki on the piano. In our spiritual walk with the Lord, we can truly praise and thank the Lord for all those past and present who have put their shoulders to the gospel and continue to labor on for the Lord. Please join along and sing with our choir the following the words on your screen. 
For the first number, the church band will play an inspiring edition of Work for the Night is Coming, directed by yours truly. It is a blessing to be able to work for the Lord in whatever capacity we are able to and occupy our time until He returns for His own.
Just the associate pastor, Evans Brooks Sr., is our soloist today, and he will sing the song, Oh, I Want to See Him. He's accompanied by yours truly on the piano and associate pastor Marvin Abing on the bass. It is our hope and prayers to one day hear the trump of God's song and those three wonderful words, Come up hither to meet our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in heavenly clouds of glory.
The church choir will sing their final song entitled, Mountains Will Move. With the Lord in our hearts, leading our way in all that we do, only He can remove the many mountains that we face in our daily lives and keeps us going onward and forward with Him. Oh, 
And now we have an odd hop selection played by Punohele Kapuni. She will play a rendition of We'll Work Till Jesus Comes. With blended voices, our group vocalists, Daughters of Judah, will sing, Here I Am, Lord. They are accompanied by Christy Hahn on the piano, Marvin Abing on the bass, and Evan Sprode and Mason Asano on the guitars. This song is dedicated to Puna Hele Kapuni, who is one of the singers in this group. Puna, as she is affectionately called, has been blessed with many musical talents, which she uses for the Lord's work. She's an active member of the church choir band and orchestra, and also assists with the Sunday school students when called upon. Her God-given musical talents include singing, playing the French horn, and auto harp. She has often played instrumental duets with her father, the late Gregory Capuni, on our New Year's Eve services. Her gentle nature and sense of humor brings joy to those around her. Puna, may the Lord continue to bless you most abundantly for all that you do for the Lord. Have a beautiful day.
Hi, and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Jose Jandak, and I'd like to repeat our television time, station, and locations in the coming years for our viewing audience, especially when you plan to visit or reside in California. This telecast is now reviewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, Channel 13 in San Diego. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE, Channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV, Channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBME, Channel 20 in Los Angeles and Rodrigo. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTO TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KCY, Channel 9 in Los Angeles, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZGO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KZCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, St. Lawrence City, Utah, and parts of Delta, Wyoming. And from 11 to 12 minutes on station KGYTV, Channel 20 in Grand Junction, Colorado. From 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Monarchy Book, Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. And our concerning scheduled gospel service here at Home City Hawaii. Service at the Temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel service at 10 a.m. and the other healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer service held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. And our common keeper church is located at 1361 Polar Avenue. Gospel service held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor branch churches. As service also conducted by Pastor Reginald Ketsana Senior in Kanakai Monokai, by Pastor Kenneth Amber in Hainamari, by Pastor Walter in Hilo, Hawaii, Pastor Leonard Kawaii Senior in Kolo, Hawaii, by Pastor Hannibal Sarah in Boloko, Pitawaii, and Pastor Vesper Sarah in Pastor Rose Kutapotabidao, Philippines. You're welcome to attend these services regardless of official affiliations. There are no collections. However, if you desire to volunteer to contribute to this telecast and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donation address designated the conclusion of the telecast. And I'd like to return the program back to Head Pastor Billy Jr., who brings forward the Spirit Directed and Spirit Defined Assembly. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Jose. The greatest teacher I know is Lord. Through the Holy Spirit, we learn and accept His teachings without exceptions. Do you call the simple fisherman whom He pressed into His service? To heard the gospel, believe without reservations, repented of their sins, and were baptized in the name of Jesus. Then along with the Lord, they became fishes of men, whose primary goal was to bring souls to Jesus. Thus fears the main purpose of my TV sermon, United We Stand, Divided We Fall, is to bring Jesus to you and cause you to realize how serious and necessary His salvation is for every participant out there in our viewing audience. On the first Monday of each September, we celebrate Labor Day. However, every day is labor, for the Jew born-again Christian, in essence, he should be living to witness and win souls for Jesus. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. We all need to learn the lesson of working together in harmony, not for self, but for God. Some people work for daily sustenance, some to pay for a home or to educate their children. Only a few can truthfully say, I am working with God and for God. 
The world has no respect for one who is lazy, but honors a man who works hard, honestly, and diligently. History was made by workers and idlers alike. When we look at God's work, however, we see that it has been carried on by those who were willing to put their shoulders to the gospel wheel. Jesus tells us in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. This means to work while one still has his vigor, vitality, and energy. All too soon, one's health and strength fail him. For time passes rapidly and he suddenly finds himself without his well-being and plagued by those common ailments which accompany old age. And gone forever is the golden opportunity that was his to have served the Lord at peak capacity. We read in Psalms chapter 9, 9 through 10 and 12, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years. Yet is there labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The greatest tragedy of the Depression was that so many men were taught that work was unnecessary, since the government or someone else would support them. We find at the present time, we are headed for another depression because of this attitude. But being idle is not God's way. Six days shalt thou labor is the commandment of the Lord. God said in Genesis 3:19, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, we find one of Paul's remarks to the Thessalonians. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. I believe it is perfectly all right for us to support those who cannot work because of valid reasons. But still, charity is no substitute for honest work. The city of Corinth collapsed into oblivion because its citizens became so wealthy they cease to work. Rome waxed great in power and wealth, but became a nation of idlers. She lived on taxes extorted from others. Her power filled with decay and wickedness perished from the earth. I'm afraid our nation is fast becoming a nation of idlers. Men everywhere are crying for less work and more pay. Many have lost their ambition and incentive to do an honest day's work. It is a very serious condition when people live as parasites upon the sweat and toil of others. This breaks down morale and breeds worthless citizens. However, I want to talk to you about an elite group of workers who have the special distinction of being laborers in the vineyards of God. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. He said, my father worketh hitherto, and I work. The father's business requires haste. Reading John 4, 34 to 36, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, 
for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth the wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. There is much to do and so little time in which to do it. The fields are white unto harvest. TV viewers, do you have a place of service in these fields? Are you working for the Lord or for self? You must learn two things in order to be successful. You must learn to work and you must learn to work with others. Listen to Psalm 133.1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity there is strength and victory, which brings us to the need for cooperation. When King Solomon led the people in erecting God's temple, he employed 70,000 burden bearers. In addition, there were 80,000 hewers of stone laboring in the mountains who never came near the temple and skillful men numbering in the hundreds, working with gold, silver, and brass. During the past world war, there were millions of servicemen giving and doing their best for America. Although different branches of service were concerned, all worked together as a great and unified team towards a common goal of winning the war. One of the most obvious and best examples of unity was the past war in the Persian Gulf and Desert Storm. In that encounter, coalition forces of the United States, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and other member countries of the United Nations banded together to fight a common enemy, Iraq. Other countries that did not send in armed forces provided financial and or moral support instead as to Japan and Russia. Still others that were not of the coalition had the most difficult task of all to perform. And such a monumental task fell upon Israel, which was asked to hold back and do nothing at all in retaliation for each Scud missile attack it experienced. As stressful as the entire situation was, each stood fast in its commitment and after only several months, the war came to a quick end. As a result, thousands of lives were saved and bloodshed for the coalition was a bare minimum. And this miraculous story of success is due to the fact that the coalition performed in total unity. Let this truly be a lesson to each and every one of us on how unity can serve and fulfill great purposes and goals. Yes, there would never have been a temple in Jerusalem had the people not worked together in unity. On the day of Pentecost, 120 were gathered in one mind, in one heart, and in one accord. They were rewarded by being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in an unknown tongue or language. The phrase, united we stand, divided we fall, still rings true today. Men have earned to work with God in material ways. The forces of electricity have existed throughout time because God put them there. But it was up to man himself to harness his great power. God puts rich soil upon the earth, but he leaves it to man to cultivate this soil. He puts metals and minerals in the bosom of the earth, but he expects man to find, extract, and use them. We have always had the atom but only in recent years have men worked with God in ways that have enabled them to find the power containing these atoms. God wants us to be involved in other matters too, such as bringing forth the beauty in human souls and helping to transform lives through his power. Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. God holds the world in the hollow of his hands. When a person is born again of water and of the spirit, he is transformed into a new creature in Christ Jesus. The necessity of the new birth stems from natural man's inability and impotency to see or enter into the kingdom of God without it. No matter how gifted, moral, or refined he may be, 
natural man is absolutely blind to spiritual truth and unable to enter God's kingdom of his own accord, for he can neither obey nor understand or please God. The highest degree one can receive from the Lord is a B.A. degree, for until one is born again, he cannot receive the coveted degree. We read in John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. To be born of water means to be baptized by immersion in water and in the name of Jesus Christ. We read in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. To be born of the Spirit is to speak in tongues or in unknown language. The only evidence according to the Bible which can be used to confirm that one has been baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us that baptism is essential to salvation. Baptism is a type of death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And why is the name of Jesus so important in baptism? It is the only saving name according to Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Yes, whatever we do in word or deed must be done in the name of Jesus Christ. I beseech those of you who have not done so to accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, Master, and Lord, and you will experience the greatest joy in your lives. Our major tasks here on earth are to win souls for Jesus to help in his behalf, to live faithfully, and to spread the gospel of this lost and dying world by giving of our time and substance. Thus, when the moment comes that we meet Jesus in heaven, surely we will hear him say to each of us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I would like to share an experience to you. One day I was watching three men working at the construction site of a great building. I asked one man, What was he doing? He said, I am mixing Motar. To the same question, the second man responded, I am working for $20 per day. The third man replied as he looked towards heaven, I am building a great church where men might come and worship God in the beauty of holiness. The last man had within him the right concept of true labor. He was not laboring just for today, but for all the days that were to come, even after his own earthly passing. Reading John 6, 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Therefore, put your hand in the near-pierced hand of Christ and be willing to labor and spend for him. Judgment is one of the major topics in the Word of God. Paul spoke to a group of intellectuals, reading Acts 17, 30-31, at the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commanded, all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he had raised him from the dead God guaranteed judgment when he was raised Jesus from the dead God does not always wait until the end of life to pay off we often have to face judgment right here there is an old saying that a young man must sow his wild oats. If he does, he is going to reap the harvest. 
Paul tells us in Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, this text was meant primarily for true born-again Christians. God is saying sins must be paid for, both here and in the hereafter. Just picture Jesus dying on the cross. Why is he hanging there? Why is he suffering? Why is he dying? He never committed a sin, nor did he ever entertain an evil thought. Jesus is dying there in judgment. He is paying for your sins and mine. He was made sin for us. All of our sins and the sins of the world were laid on him. Sin had to be punished and God's wrath fell upon him instead of us. Jesus said in one occasion, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The Son was lifted up on the cross, and those who look to him today and obey his commandments will be saved. Thus, as we look at Christ on the cross, we see that he is taking the sinner's place. We read Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There were three hours of darkness while he hung on the cross. This is also a picture of judgment. We are told that in the judgment, those who have rejected Christ will be cast into outer darkness. Thus, this darkness fell upon the earth while he hung upon the cross. This is a picture of an awful darkness which will surround sinners in their eternal doom. Christ was also made a curse for us as you read in Galatians 3.13. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses every man, one that hangeth on a tree. Just think of it. He was the greatest person that ever lived. He opened the eyes of the blind. He caused the lame to walk. He cast out devils. He healed the sick and he raised the dead. His every touch was tender and blessed. Think of one like him, being made an accursed thing. But he bore it all for you and me. Therefore, we see that Calvary is the picture of judgment, the judgment which fell on Jesus because of our sins. This was Jesus' payday. He didn't deserve it, but he bore it all for us. Now we look at the Christian's payday, that is, one who is saved but commits sins after he has been saved. What is he to do about it? Something that he has lost and has to be saved again. No, as we are born only once, so we are born again only once. If a child of God sins, God will punish him right now. That chastisement will be for his or her own good. When you see your neighbor's children doing wrong, you do not punish them. But when your own children do wrong, you punish them. Well, God sees a devil's children in sin and he doesn't chastise them. But he saves that for the punishment of hell. But when he sees his own children doing wrong, he chastises them because he loves them. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 7, And he hath forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he received. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But here is a wonderful thing. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. What does that mean? 
It means that if we sin, and then sit in judgment upon ourselves, hating ourselves for what we have done, and if we confess our sins and get them out of our lives, we will then escape the rod of God. That's the way it is in a family. A boy does something wrong and immediately realizes it. He runs to his father and in tears confesses his wrong and asks his father to forgive him. The father is not likely to punish him, but if the boy goes his way, continually doing wrong, then when the father catches him, he will surely use the rod. We read in Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, 13 to 14 verses, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. It is the same way with God. Therefore, if you have something wrong in your life, hurry and confess it. Turn away from it, lest your punishment be severe. Now let's think of the Christian's payday for his works. Yes, viewers, God is wonderful. He saves you. Then he promises to pay off for the work that you do in his name. We read in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Here's the biblical order of an upcoming event. Jesus will come in the air to rapture his very own, both living and dead. Those who are water-washed, blood-washed, spirit-filled, and walking in the light. Through the Apostle Paul, we know that we shall not all sleep, that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and that living saints shall be changed and caught up to meet the Lord in the air at his return. And this is the next greatest event that is going to take place on this earth. There are going to be many missing persons. Are you going to be one of them? I hope so. He will then set up the judgment seat. That throne will be the site of reward or payment. He will judge all the works that you and I have done for him and reward us accordingly. If our works were done for God's glory, then he will richly reward us for our works. In the Bible, a crown is a picture or symbol of reward. The Bible mentions several crowns which will be given to certain ones at the judgment seat. There will be to the soul, there will be soul winners crown. It will be a crown of rejoicing if you have won a single soul to Jesus. You receive this crown at the judgment seat. The more souls you bring to Christ, the more stars you will have upon your crown. Then there is the crown of life which will be given for faithfulness. Revelation 2.10 declares, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Therefore labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Now, if you would like to know more about God's Word and the church, and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, Please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless 
and keep you all in the hollow of his hands. Our church band will end our program with this upbeat tune entitled, In the Service of the King.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.